0: Right. good morning High Desert Word Center, how's everybody doing today? Man, if you're not awake after that little beat right there, I don't know if we can wake you up. (laughs) Well, praise the Lord, a beautiful Sunday, the fifth Sunday of 2021, and uh, so many great things going on. We called our HVAC company this week, got our order placed for three brand new hvac units so they're telling us about the third week of february those will be on the building so let's give the lord some praise for that amen straight cash we are getting blessed and we will no longer fear summer in the name of jesus amen all right well, uh, praise God, so many awesome things going on. I'm going to go over some announcements here in just a minute. But one thing that we're going to be doing, especially on Sunday mornings, is we've been speaking words of faith over Barstow every week, several times a week for uh, the last year. But we're going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America also, because we're going to see things go God's direction. Amen. Who agrees with me on that? America needs Jesus. And so if you could stand up with me for just a brief moment this morning, and you're like, well, I didn't know this was a church where you got up and sat down and all that stuff. Well, not normally, but I just think sometimes we need to wake you up a little bit. So uh, we're going to speak this Confession for America. It's very brief, but it's words of faith that we're going to see come to pass over the United States. So go ahead and put that on the screen, and we're going to say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that she will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. You can be seated. Well, praise God. Well, back in December, we held our first membership class of 2020. So you can tell we're getting back to some uh, some of the good things here. Uh, but we haven't had a chance to pass out our uh, membership certificates to the new members or publicly welcome them to the family. I don't think every single one that was in the class is here yet today. But We're going to go ahead, and when I call your name, if you could come up, and Katie is going to give you your membership certificate, and then you can head back to your seat, but we want to welcome you as official members of the family, and if you're sitting there like, hey, I want one of those, we will do a membership class again very, very soon. If you feel this is your home church, your, your, it's your commitment that this is your place, then we will uh, gladly welcome you also, all right? So when I call your name, you could come on up. Uh, the first one I'm going to call is Elizabeth Ramirez. Let's welcome this Elizabeth Ramirez, here she is, amen, and then I'm gonna, we'll go we'll get this through, and then I'm gonna call up Nicole Compton, Nicole, your whole family's coming up, <laughs> I love to see, I love to see our uh, teenagers going through membership class, amen, so we got Nicole, and then I'm gonna call up her sister Elizabeth Compton, very good, Elizabeth, come on up. New members and then Rodney, Ray, and Sonia Compton. Come on up, amen. These two lovebirds are getting married in February, so let's give it up for a nice wedding, amen. <laughs> we love to see weddings taking place. Now I don't think she's here, but Jamie Myers, Jamie Myers and Sabine Moody. They're probably watching online this morning. Okay. And here's a young fella, we want to welcome him new to the church, Isaac Samples, Isaac Samples, my son, been here for 10 whole years and now he's officially a member, and my mother-in-law Brenda Plunkett, all right, let's welcome them as members to the church, all right. All right, and so I'm going to have uh, Susan. We're going to take a quick picture, if you could. Uh, you'll be my photographer this morning, and uh, we're going to take a picture of our new members. Amen. And again, uh, if you if you want to say that, hey, this is my home church, this is where I want to make my commitment and hook up to make this official, it's kind of like getting married. You're making it official now. Uh, we welcome you to join our next set of classes, which will be coming up, all right? Let me just put this good old mask on. I was smiling behind that mask i didn't realize how silly okay anyway uh well we've got a few other announcements here some good things coming up so miss katie fill us in
1: okay so we'll make it brief because we've talked for a long time this morning and you know you guys kind of get glazed over when that happens so next sunday baptisms right yes hallelujah also next sunday night what comes back That's right, and Sunday night services. So that's really, really awesome. Next Sunday night at 6 o'clock, we will be having children's service and nursery. There's not youth group, but there is a normal Sunday night service. So come on out and join us. It is not family night style. So those of you who were like, whoa, that was too much for me, come back out. Try it again. The children's church will be in Victory Hall, and nursery will be upstairs in this building. I do need to let you know, because it will be dark, we are not letting any of your children walk around anywhere by themselves. So you cannot send your teenager or a buddy or whatever to walk your child to Children's Church as was in the past. So we need you to make sure you are with your child to the class and from the class. So we won't send them over or whatever. So we will remind you of that next week as well. But we want to make sure that everybody's safe. We want to make sure that everyone remembers to come to service next Sunday night. Praise the Lord. Yes. Amen. And men's meeting is coming up. Have y'all missed that, men? (laughs) Y'all have missed that. So Saturday um, is the men's meeting at 9 a.m. in Victory Hall. Don't miss it. And gentlemen, if you have a son who is able to come and sit, it is a perfect place for them to get to see role models, to be with you as you are a man in Christ. But in addition to that, if you have a son and there's not a dad around, or if you have a neighbor kid and there's not a dad around, and you have a way to connect them with some of these men, let's do that, okay? So if you need a way to connect them or you need a ride for them, get a hold of one of us, get a hold of someone else in the church, and let's make sure that they're getting to see men who are living for Christ, okay? Amen. Also, on February 16th, there is a concert at the drive-in. We talked about that briefly. Uh, Robert and Jesse will be heading up the usher team, parking lot team. So if you're interested in being a part of that or just being out there to help them, uh, please see Robert or Jesse. And if you're interested in going to the concert, we will make sure that we share that flyer on Facebook as well. And it's going to be drive-in only and socially distanced, just so you know it's not going to be a mob of people that you're wandering around in. So make yourself available for that. And if you have any questions, see Robert and Jesse.
0: All right. Praise God. Lots of good stuff going on, isn't it? All right. And I do want to remind you that if you have not signed up for baptism and you want to, the baptism sheet is on the back table there. And uh, next Sunday morning, for those of you that are signed up, at 9.30, we will have a brief class that I want you to come to uh, before we baptize you. And uh, it'll kind of explain the whole meaning and purpose of it, because we don't want you to do something that you don't fully understand. So 9.30, and if you're signed up, you'll be getting a phone call from Heather on Friday or Saturday, giving you some more details about what's up. But don't miss this chance. If you're sitting there and you're feeling like, well, maybe I should. I don't know if I should. I'm, I'm a little bit embarrassed. Push past that. This is your chance to make a public stand and say to the whole world, I believe in Jesus. I have accepted him. He is my Lord, and I am not embarrassed about this. I stand for what I believe. So this is your chance. Amen? All right. Well, who knows what time it is now? You're right. It's happy time. Well, what's happy time? It means we get a chance to give back to the Lord some of what he blessed us with in the first place, alright? And so if you need an envelope, you raise your hands and the ushers will get one to you. If you're giving online, you could go to hdwc.org giving. We're going to look at a verse this morning in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Who's excited about the Word of God today? Man, I'm excited about the Word of God every day. I have always got time for the Bible. You don't have to twist my arm, man. I love going to scripture. But Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at verse 24, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, and Jesus has something very interesting to say right here regarding money and where our loyalty and our commitment is concerned. Matthew 6 and verse 24, it tells us this, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one. And despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve both. And you know, every, everybody's going to say, well, amen to that. You, of course you can't. But you need to get that revelation in your heart that you can't serve God and money at the same time. And the fact of the matter is there's a whole lot of people that serve money more than they serve God. Well, I would never say that. I, and, and listen, if God is telling you something through his word to do financially, maybe God's laying on your heart. Hey, you need to give into this. Hey, you need to go over here and give to that. Or maybe it's something as elementary as the Bible telling you, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. If you, I'm just, let's just get real. Okay. We've patty caked for a long time. Let's just get real. If you can't obey God's word when it tells you to do something, but you obey what your finances are telling you to do, You're not serving God. At that point, you're serving what money told you to do. It is your master. It tells you, well, you can't do that. I know the missionary over here needs that, but you can't. Don't do it. Don't do it. And God's telling you to do it. It's quite clear who it is we're serving at that point. If God's saying, man, this homeless shelter over here needs this, and you know you've got extra right now. Well, no, I know, but I'm not going to do that. It's quite clear who your master is. If God says, bring the tithe into the storehouse, and you say, well, I know, but that's, I I know it says that, but I'm going to choose to look past that. It's quite clear who your master is. You cannot serve both God and money. I'd like to think of, one of the basically the richest man in history, John D. Rockefeller. If he were alive today, he'd be worth 418 billion dollars. That would be dwarfing uh, Jeff Bezos and anybody else. They're worth a lot, but if he were alive today, 418 billion dollars. The man was a tither, and he famously went on the record and said, "If I would never have tithed on my first million dollars I made, if I had not made the sacrifice to tithe off of my very first paycheck." My first paycheck was $1.50 a week. And I gave God that 15 cents every single week. And because it was a stretch, but God kept adding and adding and adding and adding. And he became the richest man in history. But I'm telling you, you're never going to get there if you can't start where you're at right now. Start where you're at right now. Well, this is all about money. It's not about money. Tithing isn't a money issue. Clearly, it's a heart issue. Issue, And when, when, I, when I let God have so much control of my life that I say, you know what? You can even have control of my finances, God. I will even let you have access to that, to my bank account. At that point, you're a submitted person. At that point, you're starting to say, you know what, God? You can have it all. You can, whatever you need me to do, I will do for you, Amen. And so that's my encouragement today. You can't serve God and money at the same time. You can't serve God and entertainment at the same time. You can't serve God and something else at the same time. It's one or the other. And we've got to get to a place where we say, you know what, God, I choose you. And the beautiful part is when we do, all these things are added unto us. Matthew six thirty three. Can somebody say amen today? Amen. amen. All right, well, let's go ahead and speak some words of faith over our giving. Then we're going to bring our tithes and our offerings up. And who's ready to praise God today, man? Who's ready to worship the King of Kings, the creator of the universe? We get to be in his presence today, and he says, you are worthy. Come on in. I'm waiting for you. Let's stand up together again. We're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings, and then we are going to let heaven hear our praises today. Amen? Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions,
2: done dropping off your tithes and offerings, join us back at your seats. Stand up and let's praise the Lord today. Surrender your hearts today to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We surrender our hearts. Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man. I call you Savior with nail-scarred hands. You will be my Son in the morning. Beautiful surrender is where I want to be, locked into your arms.
3: Your arms for all eternity. Come and take my hand.
2: You can leave me where you please. That beautiful surrender is chasing after me. Let's do that second line again. Jesus. Just surrender your heart. Raise your hands. Raise your hands to him. One more time. I am beloved. I am beloved. Full of faith, standing tall, confident and brave.
3: Jesus! our hands
2: let's just open up to the lord today to receive his grace and just to pour out our love and devotion to him
3: we surrender to you lord
2: darkness
3: Stop working, you never stop, you never stop working. And even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keep light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are.
4: I'm glad to know that you knew about the 21st century, even before the 1st century even began. Lord, your word says you knew each and every one of us even before we were born. It says you had your plan for our life before we even came out of our mother's womb. And Lord, I know, I know, like I've learned so many times from your word and from things in my own life, that you always had the answer for what to do if I just take the time to listen. And for everyone that's watching us on the Internet, for the ones that are in the service right now, Lord, I know people have questions about what, 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 how, how, how. But, Father, the main thing is, is we know who, who, who. It's you. We know you're the one. And we know, Lord, that if we keep our eyes on you, Through the Word of God, through prayer, through sitting under the teaching of anointed men and women of God called by you to help, that people will get the answers, Lord. And nobody needs to fail. Everybody can win. Because your Word says you came for us to have and enjoy life in abundance to the fold till it overflows. So today, Lord, I'm a yielded vessel. I have your grace. I have your anointing. I've been called and gifted to you to lead your people and to feed your sheep. And I just want to thank you today. We've got tender-hearted, teachable, hungry Christians that want to be fed the truth of the Word of God today. And I just want to thank you today. It will be a life-changing day for everyone, Lord. That here's what you got to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. And uh, you can be seated, you can be seated. Uh, as Mrs. Pastor and I were driving to church today, we was thinking about the men's meeting. And, you know, I, I'm thinking about how blessed we are for the times we live in, for all the different ways God's able to communicate His Word through people on the Internet, books, uh, live services, and everything like that. But I was thinking about my own life, how my ministry's changed the last few years. I've, I've been doing this for a really Really, the first time I started preaching was 40 years ago, about this time. And so I've been doing this for a lot of years, and I've always been a Bible teacher. I teach by line, by precept, just going through the Word. I'm still a Bible teacher, but my delivery's changed the last few years. And I've noticed that uh, as I followed Brother Hagin for years, he changed to where he told a lot of stories, brought a lot of personal things into it, because it's so full of things that God had done and taught him. That it came out that way. I've watched Dr. Barclay change. I've watched myself change. And you know, the Bible teaches about, about, about the elders. The elder men of faith have been around for a while. They've got things, you know, I'll just say it this way. We could say more things by accident than a lot of college-educated religious people say on purpose. Because it comes out of our spirit by the Holy Ghost, and because we can trust our filter now. You know that there's a lot of things in your heart but to express them, they have to come through your head. And your solical, man, your mind, your emotions, and things like that are part of the solical realm. And so if you haven't been disciplined and trained, then you can't trust your filter because it's still got too much of the world in it. When you live this a long time and walked it a long time, then your filter uh, gets more trustworthy where you can talk and flow and it goes good. And so I was thinking about our men's meeting this Saturday as we were, Coming here, I got to talk, to Mrs. Pastor. I started seeing something, and I th- I think this'll help you. I think it was a pretty good example. The Lord gave me is this: uh, as I get older, and I teach the Word of God, I realize that everybody doesn't have to do exactly precisely how I did it, as long as it's the Word of God they're living by, and how they handle it. And the Lord told me this as we were driving up here. Says like baking a cake. Said. When you go to bake a cake, everybody, if they're going to have a good cake, has got to have the same basic ingredients. You've got to have the eggs, the flour, the sugar, the yeast, whatever it is, because I'm not a baker, I just kind of know. <laughs> but whatever the basic ingredients are, if you don't use the basic ingredients, it doesn't make any difference how you decorate on the outside. It's not going to be right. And then he reminded me when I was over in Kiev, Ukraine, back in 1999, my music minister was traveling with me, had a sweet tooth. And so we went, we went to this store over there, this, this grocery store, What a grocery store, and you know, you, want, you better want America not to go socialist, I can tell you that. I've been to several socialist countries, they don't have what we have here. But in this grocery store, in, in communist Ukraine, they had, they had the uh, counters, I guess, I don't know, we have, still have, well, they do Stater Brothers meat counter, you know, if you look through that glass and see things. Well, back when I was growing up, all the counters and stores were like that. Well, in Ukraine, they had this counter like that in this store. There wasn't a lot in it, but they had pieces of cake because people wouldn't even buy a whole cake there. They'd have money for a whole cake. So they had this chocolate cake in there in slices, and my music minister wanted chocolate cake. So he bought every slice in there took it back because we had a lot of missionaries in the room we was at. And he wanted to give everybody cake from that, from that uh, store. So Maddie put this chocolate sli- slice of chocolate cake out there, and we bit into it. Ah, what is this? Then we found out that in Ukraine, they don't have sugar. And so that chocolate looked really good, the cake looked really good and fluffy, but it tasted like cardboard or something. And so none of the rest of us ate it, but he spent about a week eating it until he ate it all, because he bought it. (laughs) And so anyway, I said that to say this, that we, if we're looking at it like a cake, if you bake a cake, it doesn't make any difference what you decorate it like, like on the outside, if the inside's not right. And so, as I apply the principles of the Word of God in my life, my my basic faith life I've lived is this, number one, I've always consistently, even before I was a preacher, I consistently came to church. That's a basic ingredient if you're going to grow. I consistently came to church. And we're going to talk about some things for the Word of God a little bit that this will flow right in with it, but the basic ingredient of a good Christian life is you go to church consistently. We consistently served in the church. We always looked for what we could do, what God anointed us to do, graced us to do. We always served. We always paid our tithes to God. We always gave offerings. All those things, and that's, that's not to do away with the thing it'd be simple to say, well, if you're going to be a good Christian, read your Bible and pray. Well, everybody ought to know that. But then the part that's going to make your cake be a good cake is you've got to consistently go to church. You've got to pay your tithes to God, and you need to find out some way to serve. And then on the outside, if you got the basic ingredients right, you can decorate the outside however you want to. Whatever color you want your icing to be, what kind of little glitters and, and doodads you want to put on the cake, wherever you want to do, that's okay. So I said that, looking at my life like this I can teach you the basics, however, you decorate the outside is. To your choice and your style. And so I can, I can tell you how to have a good marriage, but you don't have to do exactly the same things I did in my marriage, but the basics you got to do. I can tell you how to raise your children to serve God. And, you know, I can say that I was, I, was, I was talking to Katie, my daughter-in-law, this morning that, uh, about our kids. I said, look at my kids. They all serve God. They're all fruitful for Jesus. They weren't underprivileged because we were so serious about our Christian faith. Our kids turned out good, and a lot of people I know from my generation, their kids didn't turn out good. I don't have to visit my kids in prison. I see my kids in church. Amen. And so the basic ingredients, the basic ingredients have all got to be the same for every Christian if they want a strong Christian life. But how you apply those principles, really, it's a matter of choice. But the main thing is you got to live by them. And then you don't have to do every move I did. When I tell you stories about my wife, my marriage, our children, things we did, you don't have to imitate those exactly, but the principles you follow. Amen? So I say about our men's meeting. I'm looking forward to our men's meeting to be able to share things about life and things that men can take and lead their families on the right road. Amen. Amen. All right. I want to show you a couple of things out of the bookstore since we're getting back into flows again. And number one, I want to show you this faith food devotions by Brother Hagen. Faith food devotions by Brother Hagen. Uh, I, I don't know if we start the bigger books have all of them in, but this here's the winter season. We got four of these mini books that are, are spring, summer, winter, and fall. That uh, they're everyday little bite-sized nuggets. They're not great big giant teachings that you can't hardly swallow. They're little teachings, and I, I've used his devotions pretty much all my Christian life. These are all in a big book, a big faith devotional that I've got at home, and have, I don't know if they're in the bookstore or not, but anyway, I highly suggest, if you're looking for a good devotional, get Brother Hagin's devotional. They're simple, easy to understand, and they'll help you be the man or woman of God that God wants you to be. And then this one here, how you can know the will of God. How you can know the will of God. I'm watching until I see it to make sure you sit too. How you can know the will of God. And I'll tell you a personal story about that book. Mrs. Pastor and I had been married before, before we got married. God brought us together, and in 1982, we got married. But for several months before our marriage, we both had that book there, and we studied that, the scriptures in it, we prayed, and looked at the verses in our Bibles to make sure God wanted us to get married, because after being married before, we didn't want to miss God's best again. And so we studied that book there. And that showed us how to listen to our heart and not just our heads. God showed us how to be led by his spirit, what to do. And when we were firmly convinced, according to the word of God, the spirit of God in our hearts, we got married. And that was in 1982. And all the children we've had since then that serve God and things like that, successful ministry we've had, I think it was a pretty, pretty, pretty good hit. You know, we, we hit the center of God's perfect will. So anyway, if you're in life right now, Seeking God about whatever it is, you know, serious decisions you're making about life, jobs, career, children, marriage, church, anything else, then get this book right here, and Brother Hagin teaches you how to be led by the Spirit of God and not be listening for voices in your head or somebody prophesied to you. I know too many people got prophesied who they're supposed to marry, and I've never seen one yet that turned out good, but somebody else told them. You got to know in your heart what the Spirit of God said to you. Amen. So that will help you. How many got the Bible today? Hold up your Bible. Hold up your Bible. And, and make this confession with me. Say, This is my Bible. This is the holy written word of God. Given to me by God my Father. This is the written word. It's given to me to reveal the living word. Jesus Christ is the living word. And I can have everything my Bible says I can have. I can do everything, absolutely everything my Bible says I can do. And I am who my Bible says I am. Jesus is the living word. This is the written word. The written word reveals the living word. And when I obey it, I'm obeying Jesus and I'll win. I'll never go under. I'll win. Amen, 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 amen. That's the how, that's the way it is. Well, the Lord's been speaking a phrase to me the last few weeks that uh, I actually gave to me years ago, and I forgot about it, but the title is The Kingdom of God Doesn't Change. It Changes Things. The Kingdom of God Doesn't Change. It Changes Things. And as we go through this, By the Holy Ghost, the Word of God, I'm going to show you some things that it doesn't make any difference what's going on around you. In Luke 17, verse 21, Jesus said, the kingdom of God's within you. And so you have the kingdom of God in your heart if you're born again. I want you to move up to Matthew chapter 6, and uh, I, I think about our church's mission, our vision is to equip God's people for victorious Christian living. And there's nobody, there's nobody in the whole world that should miss out on God's best no matter where they live at, if they listen to the Word of God in their heart, and then they act on and put into practice what God's Word says. But in looking at the kingdom of God, I see it this way. How many know that in every kingdom, there has to be a king. somebody rules the kingdom. The Bible talks about the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness god 's kingdom and the kingdom of Satan, etc, etc. And so in the kingdom of God, Jesus is the king, and his kingdom never changes. I want you to get this again we 're looking at where we 're coming from this phrase that the kingdom of God doesn 't change. it changes things. And so Jesus is the king of his kingdom. And Jesus Christ is the same, yesterday, today, and forever. The word of God never changes. And so the things that Jesus decreed and ruled through his word, ages gone by, still is the same. He's still the king in our hearts. And so because his word never changes and he never changes, we we'll be on our believing, our speech, and our lifestyle, and our lifestyle. At our lifestyle, at our lifestyle, up with our King and His kingdom principles, our realm of influence will more and more be what Jesus prayed Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. And you know, this principle started off in the Garden of Eden. God's the one that made the heaven and the earth, God made the garden, but God put the man in the garden. And then when you read that, you'll see that God even led the animals to Adam to see what he would call them. God's the one that told Adam, I want you to keep and to guard the garden. He said, you can eat anything in the garden you want to, but one tree don't touch. The knowledge of good and evil. And so Adam broke the commandment. He didn't live the lifestyle God told him to. He ate the wrong thing when God said, don't do that. And that was the fall of the human race. And then, of course, God was so good, he sent Jesus to buy us back and give us back a new life. And so I've always looked at my family like this. My family is my garden. I'm the Adam of my family. And I'm not going to love my wife like Adam loved Eve. I'm the one that has authority in my garden. I'm the one that God put the grace on to lead my family, and my wife has the grace of God to help me lead my family. And it's obvious that Eve did not have what it took to do the spiritual warfare that God had. It says that when you read that, it says that as she gave to her husband with her, Adam stood there and he wimped out. Amen. And so the spiritual always determines the natural good or bad. And so when when Adam whipped out, it affected the whole world from then up until now because of what one man did, one man's decision. And of course, Jesus redeemed us so we could change our world. But the fact of the matter is that what we decide to do with what we know to do from God's word determines the quality of life our family will have. You know, I've said so many times since this, Pandemic and all these horrible things have happened for the last year. That uh, I can preach the word of God, Pastor Dave. We can preach, we can teach, we can lead. I cannot guarantee the safety or success for your family because I don't know how you live. I don't know what you do, how serious you are with the word of God you hear. I can guarantee the safety and success of my family because I know how I'm going to lead my family. I know what I'm going to do with the word of God I hear. I know what we're going to say, how we're going to live, but nobody's looking but God. You know, that's one thing we have to get the revelation of, that no matter what goes on, Jesus said, God knows the number of every hair on your head. And, you know, the older I get, the more I think about how awesome God is, that every time a bird falls to the ground, Jesus said, your father knows it. Jesus said, your father feeds the birds. And so when I think about how awesome he is, why would we want to do things in private we wouldn't do in public. And so that's why I say, that's why I say, I can't guarantee your success. I can put everything out there that I know for the Word of God. We can be the examples we know to live, but what you choose to do is your business. And so I know that one time, you know, I, 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 like I said, when you get to be an older guy that's got a lot of in you, things just come out because you want to help people. That's what we're all about. But I remember one... One time a few years ago, I can't even remember who the person was, but they told me, said, Pastor, you know what I like about this church? I've grown so much since I've been here. Said, you take the responsibility off of God and you put it on us. There's the God part and there's the man part. God's already written out everything that he said he'll do for you. but He tells you your part, you've got to do. And you know, a lot of people, because of religious... Teaching Brother Hagin you said say it this way, too many people have been religiously brainwashed instead of New Testament taught. Religiously brainwashed. That means that they've been told things by people that are based upon their experiences in life about what they think was God, but it's not the Bible. And so they, they believe things that somebody's told them, but it's not Bible. So then when they hear the Bible, they don't know what to do with it. And so we as believers have to know that everybody's not going to get saved. What do you do if John 3, 16 said, God so loved the world that whosoever believeth, Romans chapter 10, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I mean, the Bible's loved with verses that tell you it's the will of God that none should perish, but all should come to eternal life. But everybody doesn't call upon the name of the Lord when they have the opportunity. Everybody doesn't say, "Jesus, I want to be born again." And so the other Bible principles are just the same. You know, he said, "How do you, how do you respond to hatred? You turn the other cheek. You prayed, you curse not. What do you do about financial lack? Bring the tithe in the storehouse when it's ever opened." And so God just over and over and over and over tells you, "Here's what I'll do if you do this." Says, "Husbands, love your wives." as Christ loved the church. And then it says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, as unto the Lord. And so the husband said, I want her to submit. Well, sir, are you treating her like Jesus does? Amen. So the Bible's loaded with things that tells us what to do. And so today we're going to look at the kingdom of God doesn't change. It changes things. And so Matthew chapter 6, Pastor Dave was here, but I'm going to read verse 31 to 34. And in the name of Jesus, everybody's going to see something they need to see today to help them live a better quality of life. He said, therefore, take no thought saying, and he's teaching about your needs being met, take no thought saying or worrying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or where are we going to get toilet paper? Amen. That, that was one of the things, if it was modern times, that he could have put this passage last year, well, where are we going to get toilet paper? And he's talking about the natural things of life, eating, drinking, wherewith shall we be clothed? And didn't that kind of question people have about a lot of things last year? Where are we going to get this at? We're going to, have to be the first in life if we're going to get any of it. Well, that's talking about worrying about the natural things of life. And he said, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, and for, for the sake of for the sake of the teaching, let's just say, For all these things do the unsaved people of the world seek. They're all seeking the same things. He says, your heavenly father knows that you have need of toilet paper. And I'm not saying that to be funny. He knows that. He knows you have need of food, clothes, whatever it is you need, he knows that. But he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's what we're talking about today, the kingdom of God. He said, first of all, instead of getting up early to get in line to get your toilet paper, get up early to read your Bible. instead of worrying about if everybody's going to be ahead of you and there won't be anything when you get there, he says, first of all, get up and pray. Find out what God's got to say about the day. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be taken away from you. You want me to tell you why I say that like that? Too many Christians that I've known have thought, if they lay down something else to work church services in, they're going to lose out. Well, Jesus said just the opposite. He says, You put Jesus first, and Jesus is the head of the church. He's not the head of the casino. He's not the head of your job. He's the head of the church. And if you make him the head of your life, he will be the head of your job because you'll listen to him. You'll be a better employee or a better employer. Amen. He said, all these things shall be added unto you. Well, Christians that don't put God's kingdom first, they find something else out there always they've got to do, and the devil's happy to oblige you to tell you all the things you've got to do, and you can't have time for church. Well, you know, I I look at that like this. It's like making a grocery list. There's some things on your list, if your mom got kids, that's the priorities. And, you know, they make bread, milk, cereal. Whatever it is you feed your kids, those things got to be first. And then at the bottom of that list is the sweets and the potato chips and the stupid stuff. Well, if you put all the stupid stuff first and have no time left for the healthy stuff, then your kids aren't going to be healthy. And so too many Christians live their life that way. They put the stupid stuff up here and then down at their bottom as an addendum. just And by the way, if there's time, we might go to church this month. Does that tell you why so many Christians don't live a victorious Christian life? They don't obey the Bible. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, that is righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. Simple way to say that is don't worry about tomorrow. He said, for tomorrow's going to have uh, take thought for the things of itself sufficient and today is evil thereof. He says, tomorrow's gonna have problems too. Don't worry about the problems. You do today what you know to do, and then tomorrow you'll handle tomorrow too. But if you don't do what's right today, <clears throat> you're never going to be able to handle tomorrow. And so anyway, years ago, on Matthew 6, 33, that really just got got into my crawl where I kept praying about that thing about, seek you first, seek you first, seek you first. I thought, I am born again. I've, I've got the kingdom of God. I am born again. And so then the Lord, the Lord led me to do a study on that. And in my paraphrase, Here's what I saw from those different words in there. Matthew 6, 33. Make it your number one goal in life to go for the expansion of God's kingdom. Go for the expansion of God's kingdom and he will take care of everything else you'll ever need in life. That's what Jesus said. Seek you first the kingdom of God and all these things are added unto you. And if your number one goal is to go for the expansion of God's kingdom, then God said, I'll take care of everything else. Don't worry about anything else. Cars, gas, houses, rent money, house payment money, retirement, health insurance, whatever else you need, Jesus said, put my kingdom first. I'll take care of everything else. And so God's kingdom is made up of God's family, right? Isn't that what it is? The kingdom of God is made up of people, God's family. So for God's family to grow means there has to be new babies born into the family. Uh, Julie, you are a good example with the big belly in the front row. The Samples kingdom is growing because the Samples family is growing. The Samples family is growing because new babies are still being born into the Samples family. We have a a new grandchild down in Georgia gonna be born in what, March? In March we have a possible new grandchild going to be born in Indiana. And I know we'll have more grandchildren coming out of New York and at least one more coming out of California. And so our family is expanding because new babies is coming in. And so if the kingdom of God is going to expand, to have new babies in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, go first for the expansion of my kingdom. So our number one thing as Christians, our life has got to revolve around getting people transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. God's kingdom is the kingdom of light; the kingdom of God is. And so, and so, as believers, as believers, we've got to, we've got we've got to get this. I'm going to say something. We've got to get this into our heart and our thinking. Every time a person leaves Satan's family to become born again to God's family. God's family expands, and Satan shrinks. I'm talking today about the fact that the kingdom of God never changes, but it changes things. And so think about how much better the Christians in the book of Acts were when Saul of Tarsus changed families. It it changed the whole world. still is, because Saul ended up writing two-thirds of the New Testament. And I think about myself. When I was born again... On January 29th, 1980, Satan lost a serious sinner. I was a serious follower of the kingdom of darkness back then. And ever since then, I've led as many people as I can into the family of God. I've made it my priority to go for the expansion of the kingdom of God. You never know who that person is you're witness to, what God will use them for. And you know, I, as the older I get, I get to be a pastor of a great church and I watched the grandmas, and I watched the men and women, spiritual leaders in this church, the teachers. I look at the copies back there. How many years you guys in that nursery? 25 or 30 years, probably. 30 years? They, a long, long time. The copies were in that nursery for a long, long time, and how many babies did you guys influence? I wonder. And I wonder what those babies are doing now. They're all grown men, probably some of them grandmas and grandpas by now, even. <laughs> but I, I think about that, and I'm older than you are, so don't worry about this. I still got rank. (laughs) But anyway, as I think about that, I was raised in a sinner family, and the only Christian I honestly knew was my Baptist grandma. My Baptist grandma would take the kids to Sunday school. That's why I think about you grandmas in here, and even you men, and the the leaders in here. I'll never forget when I was in the eighth grade, I got really serious about it. I I I got born again the summer between my eighth grade and freshman year in high school. I didn't stick with it a long time, but I did. But anyway, I think about the influence. I can still see some of those adults' faces back then because my family was Drakers and just all kinds of other things. And so I remember my Sunday school teacher's name was Mr. Wynolda. I still, I still remember him in Sunday school class teaching John chapter three, you must be born again. I remember him teaching John chapter two, about you've seen me, you've seen the father. I still see his face. I remember Mr. Wynolta had a Harley Davidson motorcycle, and he wasn't like today's, a lot, lot of long-haired guys, stuff like that. Back then, you know, they had stuff around. He was just a regular family man with a wife and kids. I remember one day, one Saturday morning, my dad and mom was still hung over from Friday night, so they probably didn't even know he came over. But I remember Mr. Wynolta wanted to know if he could come and take me and my brother for a ride on his motorcycle. I still remember Mr. Wynolta coming over with that big motorcycle a Christian man, had taken us for a ride around, around the city on his motorcycle. That, that was just so awesome. But even today, that guy influences me. Back in Indianapolis in the 1950s, 1960s, we had a thing called religious education. What was that call called daily religious education or weekly religious education? And the, and, and the neighborhood church was able to come down. There's two old women. They came down and one class at a time, they'd walk as a block to the church and they give us a Bible lesson in public school time in the church. I can still see those two old women's faces. I can still see things they talked about at that church when I was a little kid. And so what I'm saying is this, they were going for the expansion of God's kingdom, and so between my Baptist grandma, Mr. Wanolda, and those weekly religious education teachers that put something in this young boy, look today what's happened. I've preached around the world. I've led multitudes of people to Jesus. Jesus has used me to teach multitudes of people how to get out of debt by walking their covenant of tithing and God's financial system. Jesus has used me to influence people how to raise their kids, how to have a successful marriage, how to say no to fear and yes to faith, how to live right. But I look at the influence because those women And that man back in those days, and so I say that to put it on you where you are right now, you adults, don't ever think, don't ever think you don't have time for these kids. Don't ever think that, boy, I'm so tired. Well, if you're so tired, go to bed earlier, don't work as long or something, save some strength because you don't know what you're doing for the future. And God said, you're seeking first the kingdom when you have that influence. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. You know, I praise God that my widowed grandmother, with all the grandkids that were in the family, took the time to do what she could to get all those kids to go to Sunday school. What she, you know, the influence she had. And you grandmas, man, don't ever give up. Let's give a hand for the grandmas. Amen. And so. Mrs. Pastor and I can relate to the times you're living in now. All you young parents, all all, all the homeschooling you're doing and all the shuffle around you're doing right now, we had a total of eight children. We had eight. And so for the first 11 years of marriage, I was a truck driver and I preached a little as God opened the doors. Then in 1992, we pioneered a church and in 1993, I left trucking for the full-time ministry. And I'm saying that to say this, we are not just a couple of religious people They get up here because we're a couple of religious people, and this is what we do. Nothing's changed in how I live or what I say since I was born again January 29th 1980. We are still doing the same thing we did when I was a truck driver. We're putting the kingdom of God first. Except now, our life's More of a a glass house where we're on on display, where people look at us more than they did back then. But we haven't changed what we do. We're still doing exactly what we did before we were preachers. And so as a Christian truck driver and stay-at-home mom, we did what we do in full-time ministry. Our entire life and marriage has always revolved around going for the expansion of God's kingdom. And what am I doing? We're living in troubled times. But when has it not been troubled times? Except it's kind of amplified right now because we're in end times. And the Bible in the Old Testament, in the Gospels, in the Epistles, warned us about end times. Right before Christ comes back, it's told us lots of things are going to happen. And, man, I don't want to highlight on those because you don't even have to read the Bible to see what's happening. Although the Bible told us thousands of years ago what was going to happen, it's actually happening now. But I want to tell you this, the kingdom of God hasn't changed. And if you will learn the principles of the kingdom we're talking about and put the kingdom principles first in your life, then the kingdom of God within you will change things around your house. Amen. And so our children never got neglected. We always, before we were pastors and after we were pastors, Lived Matthew six thirty three. And we included them in everything we did. And they got to grow up enjoying sports, computers, and games that were available thirty some years ago. How many know that? I say this with total love and respect. My son Josh is our computer geek. He's the guy. I remember that started back back in the uh, probably, I guess maybe early nineties. Probably probably the early nineties. We were down at Sears and Roebuck in Indianapolis buying Christmas stuff, and I saw that they had these new things out called Sega. And I remember we saw the way Josh liked to do things like that, so we thought, well, we we'll get some of this Sega stuff. Man, I got so tired of hearing that. Sega! And then they and then, and, and then they had Muhammad, Muhammad, Muhammad Ali on there at some boxing game they played. play. Every time I walked through the room, I hear, I'm so pretty, I'm so pretty, bam, bam, bam! But anyway, anyway, we got things, and I'm so glad we were able to step into this new computer age. And Josh was able to start doing those, and David and, and the kids got to start doing those things. Look at it now—what it's done for the ministry of Jesus Christ. But what I'm saying is this: we were fanatics, and didn't hurt our kids; it helped our kids. What's a fanatic? Well, the first word in fanatic is F-A-N, fan. How many here, you don't even have to raise your hand. have ever been a sports fan of any kind of fanatic? You know, I saw, I saw Jesse Montenegro today wearing his Dodgers shirt. I know that Jesse is a Dodger, Dodgers fanatic. There's nothing wrong with that. He's a Dodgers fan, and people know he's a fanatic. And then we got people that are, that are football fanatics. We got people that are basketball fanatics. Well, that's all a Christian fanatic is. They're a fan of Jesus Christ. If you're a fan of Jesus Christ, why can't you wear the Dodgers shirts like he wears, except they're Jesus shirts? And a lot of you do. Why can't you hoop and holler when we have your main event, which is church? You go to the Dodgers games, you go to the Pacers games, or the, what's that, Los Angeles basketball team? I don't, don't even follow sports. What are they called? Lakers. You go, you go to those sports games. Man, they get so loud and rowdy, and they stump and they shout and they whistle and they holler and they sing, and I don't want a Baseball's about the sport I ever watch. I, I see those baseball modern baseball games; they get all kinds of paint on them now, man. They paint them up and look really weird and strange. And if you're going to be a Jesus fanatic, why don't you be enough fanatic that the world knows it? Amen, amen. And you know, I think about that—that that we were fanatics in the way we've lived and our children do not get hurt for it. Well, aren't you afraid you're going to warp the little minds by being at church all the time? Well, your little kids' minds are warped, man. They're on drugs. They're thugs. They fight. They steal. They go to jail. They're depressed. And all the things that happen, I think that's the warped minds. My kids' minds have been renewed to the word of God. My grandchildren's minds are renewed to the word of God. They're fans for Jesus. And I think about, I think about something that I, I don't know if anybody in this church does this, but we made sure we never did it. Well, you know, when they, when we're going to let them, let them make their own choice. We're going to let them make their own choice of what they want to do. And so if we get up on Sunday morning, the little darling stayed up until 4 o'clock in the morning playing on the Internet, and say, do we have to go to church today? We say, no, we don't ever have to go to church. We get to go to church. We never, ever, ever, ever said, you have to go to church today. Our kids, I don't think they ever even thought it, anything different. Because from the time they were in the womb, and they heard us outside the womb talking, you know your baby's inside and you can hear you talking. When they were in there, all they ever knew was Jesus and church, Bible, praying, Christian life. And so when they got out, they just started walking out what they did on the inside anyway. They were around church things. And so our kids, as far as I know, never said, do we have to go. If they would have ever said it, we would have said, no, we get to go. We get to go to church because a lot of people in the world can't go to church because they get persecuted for it and go to prison and things. And so anyway, I'm just telling your parents, like I said, I can show you how to make the cake. You do have to do a thing exactly how we did. That was our icing on the cake. That's how we lived it. That's how we talked it. That's what we said but you've got to have the basic ingredients. You leave anything out, then just think about the chocolate cake in Ukraine. Man, that thing looks pretty, but ooh, what is this, cardboard? You've got to have the ingredients. You've got to be a church person, a serious church person. You've got to be a tither. You've got to serve. And all these things, if you want a good cake, that's going to be tasty that people like. Amen. And so I, w- I want you to look at Matthew 24, verse 35. Matthew 24, verse 35. We're talking about the kingdom of God it never changes, but it changes things. Matthew 24, 35. It's really a great end times chapter of Jesus tells us about things in the last days. But he gets up to 35 when he's telling you about the last days. And he says this. I'm watching for the screen to change. He says this, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. He said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And so the same Bible that gave Mrs. Pastor and I faith to overcome many hard times and trials 30, 40 years ago is the same Bible we're teaching you today. And you know, I I think about, I was talking to somebody a couple days ago about times we went through. Back in the early 1980s, Teamsters Trucking, I was a Teamsters Truck driver, took a real hit to where a lot of truck driving jobs got lost and they were hard to get. And I remember one year in particular, we got our Social Security statement back in W-2 things, things like that, for that year, and that would have been about 19, probably about 1985. So at that time, we had about... uh, Probably five kids, didn't have eight yet. My income that year, for the whole year, was $6,500. And the first 10% went to God for a tithe. My ex wife got the first $100 off of that. And guess what? Here we are. We overcame. We never compromised the tithe one time. God got the tithe. He got 10%. Every week, every week, God got 10%. My ex-wife, she got probably 30%, 40%. And I'm not saying that mean or vindictive. That's just the way it was. That was a fact. We had to live with it, did that. But my family lived because we sought the kingdom of God first, and all these things ran down to us. Amen, I'm just telling you how it works. The same Bible, these words don't change. Heaven and earth pass away, but my words will never pass away. The word of God will never change. And so you don't know, think about this. I just want to give you a challenge. I made the choice years ago, and we went through so many things. I want to tell you what? people that become officers in the army of God. Have been in the trenches. First of all, in the front lines, we've overcome a lot of battles. We've lost some. We've won some. But we've learned what to do better and better and better. And so, I learned a long time ago the integrity of God's word that if God's word, in multiple places, promised me something that God wanted me to have, wanted me to do, that's why we hold it up. So I can have. I can do. I can I am who he says I am. I learned that if God says, for example, tither, he says, The windows of heaven are opened on tithers, I rebuke the devourer. Well, I've learned if I was going through a crisis and on this end it didn't look like it was working, I know the kingdom of God doesn't change. His word doesn't change. Jesus is the same. Yesterday and forever, I would always look up to heaven. I'd say, Father, I know. Here's what you say. Here's what's happening. And I know there's never a problem on your end because you're not going to change. So if there's a problem, it has to be on my end and I've got to change. So Lord, what do I need to do or not do so this comes to pass in my life? You said the windows of heaven are open on me as a tither. You're the devourer, but obviously there's something somewhere blocking off what you want to do. And so God changes not. And so he tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, to be not conformed to the world, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. In Isaiah 55, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. He said, my thoughts are higher. My ways are higher. And so I've got to change my way of thinking to light up with the word of God and then my way of living to light up with the word of God. And when I do, the kingdom of God within me We'll allow God to open the windows of heaven like he said he would. We'll allow God to rebuke the devourer like he said he would. And so the whole bottom line of what I just said is this. God's not going to change. His word's not going to change. So if there's a problem, you've got to change. And that's what that man was talking about over there that day. He said, you put the responsibility on us and take it off of God. Well, that's true. God wants you blessed. So if you're not blessed, it's not because God doesn't like you. He loves everybody just the same. He has no favorites. We're all favorites, you know. Matter of fact, I'll tell you something that I, I think's kind of kind of cute, but it's real. If you've been around a while, you've read the Old Testament. They fought the Amalekites and the all the differentites and differentites and all the different Jebusites and Goofyites and all those people, which we still fight them today, I guess. But anyway, all those ites there. Uh, Pastor Morris Mott was preaching our church one time and made this statement. He said, well, you got the Jebusites and you got the Malachites. He said, I'm a favorite. And so I'm an too. I'm one of God's favorites. And so every one of us is an knight but we're a favorite. Amen? And so you need to get that you're thinking. Anyway, in this word that he's been speaking to me lately for the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, nothing changes. The kingdom of God changes things. As believers, we have authority on earth to speak His name, His word, and stop demonic activity, to heal sickness and disease, and to break the curse of poverty <clears throat> in our lives and the lives of others. We have authority. And so I want to teach you specifically what Jesus taught me through my pastor <clears throat> and others over 40 years ago. And my wife and I built our life and family around this. And we become, as we become pastors, we've just multiplied what we've always done because there's more people now being influenced. Look at Matthew 28. Matthew 28. And we're going to look at verse 18 to 20. And remember, put the kingdom of God first means you're going for the expansion of the kingdom. Matthew 28 verse 18 to 20. This is how we've always lived. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, and, you know, if you've got a modern translation, it says authority. All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. And we're going to look at Mark 16 in a minute. But Jesus gave us the authority and the right to use his name. He said all of it is given unto me, but I give you, go you therefore and teach, or the center column says in the Greek, make disciples, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. If you've never been water baptized and you're born again, that's the number one thing, you need to be born again first. Then get on Pastor Dave's list to get baptized. And then it says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and, lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. And so Jesus said we are accountable to teach others what we know. You can't teach what you don't know. You know, uh, I've been doing this longer than most of you. I've been doing it as my full-time lifestyle for a lot of years, so there's a possibility I might know a little more than you know and so I might be able to teach something in a little more detail than what you can, or maybe you don't know it yet, that's so why you're still coming so you can learn it, but you do know something. And if all you know is John chapter 3, you must be born again, you can teach people you know how to be born again. Then if you've, if you've progressed a little bit and you've learned things about the love walk, do it to others, you have others do it to you, you can teach people that don't know yet how to love other people how God wants them to. You can teach what you know. If you've learned if you've learned about tithing and you're a tither and you've seen your finances turning around, well, when you see Christian friends that haven't been taught that yet, you can teach Christian friends to go to other churches how to take 10% into their storehouse so God can turn it around. In other words, Jesus said part of the Great Commission is we're all called to teach something. You can't teach what you don't know. You can't pass along what you do know. I said, make disciples. And you know, that's one thing that our church always, always, always tries to do. The Pastor Dave's had the spiritual training thing going for a couple of years now. But we always, from the time that they're in the nursery, I don't know if you know or not, but in our nursery, they got little lessons they teach on baby level. And praise God for all the nursery teachers. We love you all and appreciate what you do. And then, and then in, the, in the little classes, up to the youth classes, we're always making disciples. And what that means is that you don't just teach a lesson, but you role model in front of them how to live the lesson. And you'll be able to talk to them in practical terms how to put into real day's actions what it is they're learning, show them what to do. But that's putting the kingdom of God first. Jesus said, he said, preach the gospel to every creature. He said, make disciples and teach them. And what am I talking about? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God never changes. It changes things. Let me give you another example. How many you like these examples that help you see things? Well, I'll be glad to get down and walk around again. Follow me with the camera. <laughs> get, get an example of this. I saw, I saw this fresh this morning. The primary way The primary way that the kingdom of God changes things in this natural world is through people. In my family, the Samples family, we didn't have a really good history of really good moral people in a lot of areas. I don't want to say a whole lot because I pray for my family that don't know Jesus yet to be watching things on the Internet now. So if they're watching, I'm not bad about the Samples family. I can talk about one Samples, though. I can talk about this Saul of Tarsus. I was on the wrong road. I was on the only road I knew. And so, on the road I was on, living for the devil and not for Jesus, when I got born again and my life changed, that the kingdom of God in me has changed the world around me. I, at one point in time, uh, I had a brother. I've still got brothers. Got once in heaven, but I have one of my brothers particularly, and i just say it again, my family wasn't Christian family. My family did a lot of not nice things. One time my brother was in a shotgun knife fight. This was what, 35 years ago? Shotgun knife fight. We lived probably 60 miles away at least. And so I got a call from somebody, said, so-and-so was in the hospital down at such a place and said, he got, he, got, he got stabbed in the stomach. And so, I don't know how many hours it was before we got down to that hospital. We got down there and went to the hospital. And they just had him laying in a thing in a room there. No doctor working on him or anything. And said, we come to see Sosa. I'm his brother. And I wasn't a preacher yet. And so we walked into that room there. And he was laying there. And the doctors just said, there's nothing we can do for him. So we're just waiting for him to die. And so we walked in. And we laid hands on him, who had his insides all cut up with the knife. The other guy was shooting half a shotgun. And they had the knives and whatever, anyway. Through, anyway, between all the shotguns and the knives, he got cut up bad. We laid hands on him in the name of Jesus. He came out of there. After one week, he was back in construction, building houses up on the things like that because Jesus healed him. If I had not received Jesus, and had the kingdom of God in me, and the anointed God in me, instead of me taking anointed hands into that hospital play lay on him, I might have taken some mean hands and got guns and knives and went out the other way. You see how the kingdom of God changes things. You know, you, when you get into strife on your job and in your families, because somebody <clears throat> got the message of truth to you, and you got bored again, I've seen jobs that I had, whole jobs changed because I was there. I'd have a multitude of people bad-mouthing the owners of the companies, the bosses of the companies, and everybody else, and I'd just quietly sit back and just go, Thank you, Jesus. You said you bless all the work of my hand. <clears throat> this is where I'm at, Lord. I've got a family I'm a tither. You told me to bring the tithe into the storehouse so I would have open windows of heaven. Lord, you said the steps of good matter are ordered by the Lord. I'm on this job, and if I was on the job as a sinner, I would have jumped in. And I would have said, those mean owners, they're 200 miles away. They can't run this company. They don't know what's going on. I would have said, well, these mean bosses, they don't care about anybody but themselves. I would have started talking about how evil the company was. But instead... Because of the kingdom of God in me, it changed things. I remember that first company I was at after I was born again; they were supposed to lay off everybody and go out and go out of business. The trucking was having rough times. I was number twelve on the seniority list, and they, they had twenty some people at that time, and so they they said, "Hey, they're going to lay lay everybody off." And it started coming down. Got down to number twelve. Got down to number fourteen, and I said, "I'll keep working. I can't get laid off. I'm a tither." Got down to number 13, and I said, They nope. everybody said, you're next, you're next, you're next. Got down to number 12, and all of a sudden, the company from down in Tennessee that owned us, up in Indianapolis, decided they wanted to increase where we were and reroute freight to come through ours and call us a hub instead of just a terminal. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it got to number 12 and stopped. And then they hired 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. It got up to about 40 people. Don't tell me the kingdom of God doesn't change things. But you've got to operate the principles of the kingdom. And so, you know, one of the main principles of the kingdom of God is you watch what you say. And so if you're on a job, you know, this is a bunny trail now for somebody. If you're on a job, quit being a whiner. Start being a winner. If you want your company to turn around, if you're living for Jesus, God will use you to change that company. Amen. And you want me to tell you something else, too, that will help you then for what we're talking about? If we're talking about the, going for the expansion of God's family is the way you put the kingdom of God first, then those wicked sinners, I don't know about you, I used to be one, but those wicked sinners you work with are so evil then maybe you ought to start praying for them and loving them instead of getting mad at them. I don't know about you. I know about me. At one point in time, I was a pretty rotten guy to be around on the job. And i tell you what, there was one guy that was so afraid of me, he carried two guns. He carried a shoulder holster and had one in his boot. That's a true story. There was another guy I was witness to one time, come find out he was a Christian, but he was a closet Christian. And I said, true story. And I said to him one day, by the time I left that job, I'd led over 50% of the people in the office and on the dock to the Lord. I mean, I, I was a fanatic still to him. But anyway, I led a guy, the Lord, out there one day. And I come and said, well, how'd you, how did how you know he's saved? Did you water baptize him? I said, there's no water on the dock. I said, Jesus said, you call by the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. I led him through a prayer of salvation. Now we'll get him to church and get him baptized. And then I said, by the way, then, I said, how come you never witnessed to me? And the guy said, oh, I was afraid of you. I didn't think you could be saved. And I said, well, I wasn't as bad as Saul. I said, I never killed any Christians. Saul of Tarsus killed Christians. I didn't kill anybody. So what I'm saying is this. Don't you be afraid of how mean they look. The meaner they are, the harder they fall. And when they fall, if somebody's there with Jesus, they'll get back up, and then instead of being your enemy, they'll be your friend. We're going to close with Mark 16, talk about the kingdom of God changes things. Can you tell how the kingdom of God works? It changes things, you know, for our nation. Can you imagine what our nation would be like if we had true born-again Christian leaders in this government, not people that get religious at voting time, but people that live Christianity all the time. If we had, you know, I know that most of you are like me. You seek the wisdom of God in how to lead your family, don't you, better buddy here? You seek the wisdom of God about how to do your job better. You seek the wisdom of God about your finances. Think what it would be like if we had a good, a, a good percentage of Christians that are real Christians that go to church, read their Bibles, that pray, if when it comes to making decisions for cities like Barstow, uh, for states like California, for the federal government, if we had people in there, in the presidency, in the Congress, in the Senate, in the courts, in the city councils, that a majority of them said, Lord, I'm not in here because I just wanted to get a career in politics. I'm in here because I want to make a difference. What could I do, Jesus? Even if it's not to my betterment financially, what could I do, Jesus, to make this a better city? What do you want? What's your will, Lord, in our nation concerning foreign affairs? What's your will concerning healthcare, Lord? What's your will? If we had a majority of people doing that, can you how the kingdom of God would change this nation? That might be why he said First 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 2 to first of all pray for those in authority. So Mark chapter 16, we'll read verse 15 to 20, then we'll close it down. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Is the high desert part of God's world? Is the marine base part of that world? The fort? School system, Walmart, the railroad, wherever you're at, that's part of the world. Preach, preach, preach the gospel to everyone, unless they're like Bernie Samples was, too mean to get saved. That's what that guy told me. He said he thought I was too mean. I wasn't mean. I was a pretty nice sinner, really, most of the time. Unless I was higher drunk. Then I wasn't too good, but after that, I was pretty good. Anyway, he that believeth that is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And as, a, as a new Christian, the Lord told me that the whole world's already damned. That means they're condemned. They already are. So we share the love of Jesus with them and what it is to be a Christian and how to be a Christian, all that's doing do is give them a chance to get out of that condemnation. So then he said, and here is the authority we've got. Jesus said, all authority is given unto me. Go ye therefore, and these signs shall follow preachers. These signs shall feste- especially follow big-time TV preachers. These signs shall follow who? Them that believe. Okay, I want to ask you a question, and this, this, is, this is so real. You've got to listen to this because it's really going to help you. Let me ask you a question. It's not a setup. I want you to raise your hand if you can answer this question in the affirmative. It's not a setup. I'm not going to call anybody out. Are you a believer in Jesus? Okay, then Jesus just told you there's some authority that you have. The kingdom of God is in you. He said these signs follow you because you're a believer. And in my Bible, in my Bible, I've done this for years. Right beside that verse, I always write this. Jesus is talking about me because I believe. And you know why I say that? Uh, California is not quite as uh, religious as Indiana was. But in Indiana, there were a lot of religious people, and they said things like, that was for the 12 apostles, that's not for us. And so, what God taught me as a new Christian was this if he wanted for the 12 apostles, since he was talking to them, he would have said, These signs shall follow you 12 and no more. But he's talking to the twelve, but he recorded it for us. These signs follow them that believe, not just the twelve, but everybody else. For as long as as the earth's here, there's some things that believers can do, and actually, there's some things that believers should do. And there's these things, a lot of believers I know do do, but that's why I'm a pastor and a teacher, influence a lot of people because God wants more people to know that they have the kingdom of God in in them, and they can change things around them. And so, as we look at these signs, they said shall follow. You notice the first thing he said, in my name shall they cast out devils or demons. In my name. How me one other story. Amen. You're not going to sleep, are you? Well, as I said, I got, I got the old man anointing on me now. I've been around a while. I got my stories. You know, you hear these other old preacher stories. I got mine. I was not always a preacher up here. I used to be a, tr- a preacher that drove 18-wheelers. I was a preacher that worked on truck docks. And I remember, as a young Christian, I learned these verses that I had authority. And in my little truck dock world, the little dock I worked at, we had a little bitty break room. And we had about four tables, there. a little bit be around tables with chairs around them. At break time, we took our breaks. And other trucking companies sent things over to our dock and we transferred it from their trailers to our trailers to send it to places. And we had this one guy that, man, this guy was a cussing machine. Man, I thought I could cuss, and I could. I'm a pretty good cusser. But have you ever been around somebody that every, every other word is the blank word? Blank this, blank that? And they, they cuss easier than they breathe. They can't open their mouth every other word. They're really foul cuss words in front of women, kids, anybody, and they just cuss so much they don't even realize it. Well, on my teamster job, they really live by the contract. I got two breaks on, a 12 hour, on an eight-hour shift on the dock. I got to take a 10-minute break, then later on had a 30-minute lunch, and then another 10-minute break. And so it was really hot outside and humid, And they had the air conditioner cranked up good in there, so I got to come off that hot, sweaty dock for a few minutes. I wasn't flouting my religion because I wasn't religious. I was a disciple. And so I had a little New Testament Bible I carried in my pocket. And so for that 10-minute break, I sit down at my table, and everybody else is doing all their stuff they do. And all I do is sit there by myself, by my own business, reading my Bible, just read my Bible a little bit, eat a sandwich or something, and drink something. And, man, here comes Mr. Fit. Comes walking through the door and just yak it, yak the yak the I could put up with all the talking, but man, it's kind of hard to read the Bible to hear that one word that you don't want to hear all the time. And man, just every other word that. And I'm sitting there reading my Bible and I thought, man, I don't like that. And so Jesus gave me authority over demons. So all I said was, Devil, I bind you in the name of Jesus from operating through that man. This is my room, I'm in here. This is mine. I bind you in Jesus' name. And this guy, this is the honest truth. Man, is freezing in that room. And all of a sudden, this guy starts choking, going, it's hot in here. i got to get outside. Well, it was freezing in there. It was hot outside. When I found the devil, the guy couldn't talk. He was living under the influence. Under the influence of what? An evil spirit. And so when that happened, There was another Christian in there that I talked to sometimes. He looked over at me and he said, I know what you did. (laughs) And the thing was, the thing was, the kingdom of God in me changed things. And so that man got out of the room and just a normal quiet room come in, people talking and doing their thing like that. But you've got to understand, there's people around you, they're not demon-possessed, but they're influenced. There's demon spirits everywhere. Matter of fact, Jesus called, called, called Satan Beelzebub, and you look that up, that means Lord of the flies. And so demon spirits are around like little flies. And, you know, I'm not speaking spooky stuff. I'm preaching the Bible. Now, we're the ones. Jesus said, you shall cast out demons. And so sometimes people are possessed, and you've got to get a little deeper. But a lot of times, if there's things going on, somebody walks up to you for no reason, Betty goes in the Marine Base. Oh, and says, Betty, you know what? I think you're the ugliest lady of this whole base. I don't like anything about you. I think you're stupid. I think you're dumb. And just yesterday, that person was her best friend. Well, somehow or another, that woman entertained a demon to get into her head. And so, best thing Betty can do just say, Well, you're tied to your own opinion. You turn around and say, Satan, I bind you in Jesus' name. And that woman's gonna come back and say, I don't know why I said that. I don't know what got into me. And you just grin and say, it didn't get into you, it got on you and you yielded to it, but I took authority over it. So you cast out demons. It says, speak with new tongues. We do that. Uh, They shall take up serpents and they drink any deadly thing and shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so the kingdom changes things. We as believers, in the name of Jesus, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I want to tell you something. I just want to give you another challenge. If you've been coming to this church very long, you know this. I want to ask you to stop and look back at the last week or two. Has there been any time in your life that you got attacked with some kind of sickness, pain or something? Somebody in your family or friend and the first thing you offered was aspirin or Tylenol? or told about some medication you were on, and it was the first thing you said, let me lay hands on you. Let's quit being so carnal. Let's start putting first things first. Let's start getting the hands out again. Let's start doing some laying on of hands, and then if you want to tell them your favorite doctor, your favorite pill or other things, tell them. But first of all, first things first. Hands first, the other second. So then after the Lord spoke to them, he has received up into heaven, set on the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere. And we're still preaching everywhere. Who's working with us? What's it say? The Lord working with them. Who's working with us? Lord, and what's he doing? Confirming the word with signs following. And so whatever whatever it is that you're sharing from the Bible. If you're sharing from the Bible, it says that Jesus is right beside you. And Jesus is the one responsible for making it come to pass. You initiate the action, but he backs it up. Amen. Don't be afraid to tell them about him. Don't be afraid to to pray for him. Don't be afraid to speak the name of Jesus into their situation. And Jesus will back you up. The kingdom of God, it never changes. But the kingdom of God does change things, but we are the ones that are citizens of the kingdom, and we've got to do our part. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. Pastor Dave.
0: Amen. What a good word for us today. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Praise God. Isn't that that's the truth? The kingdom does not change. It does not need to change. Amen. Well, Josh, let's just close out for just a minute with a little bit of a a worship song here. Why don't you lead us in uh, what we were singing there uh, at the worship earlier. Amen.
3: Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. A way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, and that is who you are. A way maker. Miracle worker, promise keeper light in the darkness, my God, and that is who you are, and that is who you are, and that is who you are and that is who you are and that is who you are and that is who you are. And that is who you are. That is who you are. And that is who you are. And that is who you are.
0: Amen. We serve a good God, don't we? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus doesn't change, and the kingdom of God doesn't change. Amen. It doesn't need to change. We need to change, and we're getting more and more like Jesus every day. Amen. Well, we want to pray over you today and we'll dismiss you out there. I want to remind you uh that if you have not signed up for baptism and you want to, there is still time. Go and sign up on the sheet back there at the back and we will be doing that this coming Sunday at the service. And if you're getting baptized, you can invite family and friends like that and uh, we're just going to have a wonderful time. And next Sunday night, children's church starts back up at the nighttime service. Amen. Amen. I think some of us parents are getting a little bit excited. (laughs) We're ready for this. Praise God. And we will eventually get it back on Sunday mornings. But this is a great big step for us in the right direction. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and pray over you. And we're going to bless you today, and then we will dismiss you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in the Word of God today. And, Lord, we know that it's true. And, God, we desire to be more and more like you. Lord, change us. Tell us the truth. Change us to be more like you. And I pray that we'll submit to it. And, Lord, we will receive correction when we need correction. And now, Lord, I speak over everybody here in the name of Jesus that your angels surround and protect us everywhere we go this week. No sickness, no disease, no depression, no poverty, no evil people can come anywhere near us. We are surrounded by you, Father, every single day. Use us this week to be the light of the world wherever we may be. And we know you'll bring us back safe next time. We love you, and we praise your name right now. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. Well, let's go ahead and speak some words of faith over Barstow today. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Be blessed. We'll see you next time.